Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. been more afraid of a pen, a bottle of ink, and a sheet of paper than of a sword or a pistol. Alexander Dumas, the Count of Monte Cristo. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and we're back. This week, I'm breaking down my 2022 reading resolutions with my friend and frequent co-host, Hunter McClendon. You might recognize Hunter from his work on Instagram. You can find him at Shelf by Shelf or from his weekly newsletter of the same name, which you can find on Substack. We also have a link in our show notes. Hi, Hunter. Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Have we talked since the year started? Like, no. no. I mean, uh, no. I mean, yeah. To- yeah. <laughs> we- we've texted. <laughs> um, and I never know like how long people want you to say Happy New Year. But I haven't seen you. So Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. It's our first podcast episode kind of back. We've been doing kind of these recap and compilation episodes because I needed a little breather at the end of 2021. Didn't we all? <laughs> Yeah. And, so, and so we're back. We're talking about our reading resolutions, our reading intentions, as I think you termed them in 2021. So I wanted to ask you, what were your reading intentions that you set in 2021? And did you meet them? Did they impact your reading? How do you feel as we put 2021 away? <laughs> I, you know, it's so funny. I don't know if I like, I, I don't even remember. Like, Clearly, I don't think I met most of them because I don't even remember what they were. But I do remember at one point, I did want to read more books by um, by more neurodiverse authors. And I did do that. So that okay. was something that, yeah. And we did together read Middlemarch. That was one of our yeah, which last I, year. Honestly, the, it's so funny because I, 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 I wrote this in like a post I'm posting tonight for like our recording this, but... I don't know how else I would have survived the pandemic without these like Conqueror Classic. Yes, they've been so grounding in a way that I could not have anticipated when we started. Because here we are, season three of the Panine, which is what Jordan and I have chosen. That's that's the meme. That's the word we chose to like hold on. I think other people chose other differently, and that is fine. Panine is ours. And so we're on season three and we're on our third Conquer a Classic book. And it is a grounding activity. And I I don't know how another way to describe it, but that's exactly what it feels like to me. Yeah. I it's actually really funny because I um I was thinking to like, I had a really stressful day at work because I just don't like people. And, um, <laughs> and, and I was like, it's okay because I'm talking about, I'm, we're doing Conqueror Classic later and it, it's going to be, it's going to be good. You and I are so, I feel like we have very different personalities, but also overlapping personalities because I work from home on Wednesdays mm-hmm. and I love Wednesdays so much because I looked in the mirror at one point today and I was like, you're the only person I've seen today. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> fills me with so much joy. Uh, I love being in my home and I I love people. I love the people at the bookshelf. I love our customers, but boy, do I love being at home by myself. So you and I, it's the same. 
let me ask, do you, like, when Jordan's there, does it ever, like, mess up your feeling of, like... <laughs> mess up my mojo? You know, so he's working late because the legislative session is back, mm-hmm. is back. And so he's been working. He doesn't get home until about 10, 1030 every night so far. And he got home one night and I looked at him and I was like, I am so productive when you're not here. And I, and he laughed and I was like, but it's too quiet. Like Mm -hmm. I love my quiet, happy house, but he got home and his like footsteps fill the house or his, like, he's very, he's uh, just a lot louder than I am. Like he hums, he whistles, like he just fills the house. And so on the one hand, I am super productive and I get a lot of reading done and I love, I love time by myself. And on the other hand, it's far more comforting to be by myself with him still around. Like, like we're definitely, we're meant to share a home. (laughs) It's so funny. It's so funny because like I, Tyler, like we, we had a long weekend and Monday he was, he was around. And it's funny because like, I do get a lot done whenever he's not there, but also it's like, I'm so rude. Like, I'm like, I want you like right next to me while I read, but I don't want you to make noise. It's going to distract me, (laughs) but I really enjoy your company while you're sitting there and I'm doing other things. Oh, I get that. I definitely get that. Okay, so one of my reading intentions, resolutions last year was I had heard this idea at an independent bookstore conference where a bookstore chose an author that like they devoted programming and reading to all year long. And I always loved that idea. And I I thought about ways to try to incorporate that into the bookshelf's life, but instead I incorporated it into my own life. So last year was my year of Jane Austen. And for people following along, I wanted to read four Jane Austen books, one each quarter. And I read three. And past Annie, I think, would be a little bit disappointed. And I, man, the night of December 30th, I was like, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish Mansfield Park. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to almost like cramming, like I'm going to sit here. And then I thought, for whom? Why? You read three beautiful works of Jane Austen. You listened to podcast episodes. You watched an author speak about her. Like you did all this outside research. You watched movie adaptations. Like you did your year. Like I didn't finish all four, but I had a really lovely time. Why would I kind of ruin it by trying to check something off the list. So I finished three books, three works of Jane Austen. I read Persuasion. I read Northanger Abbey and Sense and Sensibility. And I liked Sense and Sensibility, but I think I'm at a disadvantage because I'm not a sister and I feel like that's a sister story. And I loved Persuasion because it felt like a grown-up love story, but I adored and thought nowhere is Jane Austen's wit more present than in Northanger Abbey. And so that was one of my favorites. So that was really satisfying and a really fun project. And so this year, are we ready to talk about 2022? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So this year, my first reading intention is I'm going to have a Toni Morrison year, which you and I have discussed a little bit. So Toni Morrison is someone whose work I have read in excerpts through literature classes in high school and in college, but I've never read, and I'm ashamed to say it a little bit, except there's no sense in being ashamed. It's just a fact. Like, I've never read a full work by Toni Morrison. So I was in Auburn, Alabama over Christmas, and I stopped into their bookstore, and they literally had four 
Toni Morrison books. So I bought the four that were there and I'm super excited. I'm going to read four is the goal, but if I don't, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to read Beloved, Song of Solomon, Sula and Jazz. What uh, is your experience with those and how do you feel about this resolution? So I I love it because I've read most I've read most every book by Toni Morrison. I am a big fan of hers and I'm trying to think. Okay, so you said okay, I love I do love Beloved. I think Beloved is I think Beloved is a more challenging work like on the sentence level, but like I don't I mean not in like in a way that's deterring or anything, but right. um but the but, but I will say I think it is her at her most her strongest um on the, on the line. Um Song of Solomon is my favorite Toni Morrison okay. novel. Um Sula is the first one I read. And I, there, and it, I will say there's just something about like, I think the first time that you like enter into one of her worlds, like it, it's just going to, it's going to feel special no matter what. Um, That's the one then, I picked up partly. I mean, I was going to buy them, but like, mm-hmm. I think, I don't think this particular bookstore had the bluest eye in stock. And that was one I was considering, but I saw Sula on the shelf and I loved the description so much. I was like, I want to read the, like, regardless of the project, I want to read this. I do think it's very compelling. And I will say, so jazz is one that I think is like, it's, it's very interesting structurally, but mm-hmm. I think there's something so exciting about what she does. She's such a, she's so, people don't talk enough about how structurally innovative she is. I don't, mm-hmm. like general readers, I don't think talk about it as much as they should, or not should, but you know what I mean. But I right. think that she's just so, she's such a, she was such a smart, um, and just so talented in ways that we really don't highlight enough. I am super excited about this. So you and I, are doing, we're bringing back Backlist Book Club to From the Front Porch, which is something we did, what, 2019? It well, like we did it. Yeah, I, I, keep, I also keep forgetting that, like, I always mix it up with Love It or Loathe It. Um, oh, right. <laughs> we also did Love It or Loathe It. So yeah. Backlist Book Club, if you're a newer podcast listener, is where Hunter and I talk about a backlist title because and we're going to talk a little bit about this for Hunter, but typically neither of us reads a ton of backlist because of our work or our interests or whatever. So we're going to do backlist titles. I think we're going to do three or four this year. My question for you is I had written down that beloved was going to be our first backlist title, but is it song of Solomon? Um, for what? For backlist book club. I mean, we can do whatever one. I'm not particular. Which one? I feel like we talked about Pulitzer winners because I think we're going to do Annie Dillard. That's right. Um, Beloved is the Pulitzer winner. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to read Beloved together. It's not going to be an episode until March. So if you want to read along with us, you can. And we will, it'll be a regular feed post. You don't have to join us on Patreon or anything like that. It'll be in our regular podcast feed. And so it's a way, I really do want these reading years to be like, mine and not the bookshelves, if that makes sense. Like I wanted to read Jane Austen just because I was interested. I didn't want it to be tied up in work. And I still feel that way about the Toni Morrison books, but I have known for a long time that you love her. And I think it'll be really fun to discuss that together. So we'll discuss Beloved in March as part of our Backlist Book Club. And so that's my Toni Morrison year. That's my first reading resolution for 2022. What is one of yours? I just have to very quickly say I'm very excited to reread Beloved with you because I one I would just I've always wanted to reread it but I I love reading with you because 
you're one of the smartest people I know. And so like, oh. I always feel like I'm, I get so much whenever I read with you and that's just an exciting thing. The feeling is very um, mutual. I'm excited. Um, and actually, so I'll like use beloved to tie into one of my reading resolutions, which is that, um, is that I'm reading, um, I have a goal of reading every, well, I won't probably finish it this year, but I plan on reading every single national book award, uh, fiction long list book. There's over 450, so I definitely won't finish it this year, but I, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's part of my goal. Um, and actually beloved did not win in, I think it was on the 1993, uh, long list. And it was like, there was like an uproar when it didn't win because it lost to some like dumb book that people don't even read anymore. Oh, interesting. And, yeah. And that's kind of like, and I think it kind of helped. I do think it actually kind of helped set her up for her Pulitzer win because I think that people realize like, oh no, we do have to honor her. Cause she actually mm-hmm. never won the national book award despite being on the long list several times. Oh, interesting. This is what I think is so fascinating because you're not just reading national book award winners. You're reading mm-hmm. the entire long list for each year, which I think is going to be such an interesting look at where America was culturally too. Like, I think it's going to be a little time capsule. Uh, yeah, it's actually, so I, so I'm doing, you know, my, my newsletter, my Substack is uh, all about, um, each week I'm discussing whichever books I'm read I've read from the, each long list at the time. Right now, I just finished the 1952 long list. And one thing that was really interesting is that all of the books, all of them, even if they're not about war, all of them talk about World War II in some capacity, mm-hmm. you know, because these are all coming from a generation of writers who were directly impacted by yeah, know, came of age. Yeah. yeah, and so it's very and then and several actually like all three of the men who wrote about uh, like there's three books that are specifically about war and all of the men who wrote about it were actually writing from their own experiences like wow. serving in World War II and hmm. and it's you know and my granny was born in 1951 and so it's really interesting to kind of have this like new understanding of what world she was entering into. Yeah, and I think that's a really beautiful thing. So that that, that yeah, it has been very exciting to. Um, to see that. And also I'm, I'm very, I don't know. So my, my, one of my uh, reading intentions is to, is to try to make it through this. And it's probably like the most excited I've ever been for any reading project ever. So it has been so fun to follow along on Instagram. And now I subscribe to the newsletter and you're like, I texted you, I think last Friday, because your newsletter was about some of these books from the fifties. And there were a couple that sounded really good to me. And I was like, should I go back and read a couple of these? And so we kind of talked back and forth because some of these books, some of them are familiar, like the catcher in the rye or something like that. Mm -hmm. But many, as you pointed out are out of print, which is so a little bit sad to me. Like there might be reasons that they're out of print, but it's a little sad that these like national book award long list recipients aren't in publication anymore. It's just kind of weird and a a -hmm. testament to the fleeting nature of time, I guess. But anyway, so I've really loved kind of following along the project because of your excitement about it. Because I think sometimes reading, I think with the advent of um, Bookstagram, maybe, it's not Bookstagram's fault. I love being on Instagram. I love sharing among readers. But I do feel like there's a competitive nature to it just accidentally. Like it's not, Mm -hmm. it's just because of social media. It's not, because of anything else. It's just the nature of social media. It feels a little bit competitive and a little bit like, you know, here's what I'm reading. And then just by scrolling, you might feel pressure to read a certain book or to like a certain book a certain way. And it's probably so nice to have this project that is yours and like your little thing that you're doing. Almost like um, Julie and Julia 
or something like that. You know, it's like, it's like your little project. Do you remember? It's so funny. I don't know if you remember this, but I literally, it's so funny you say that because in my like introductory, like my announcement, I literally Mm -hmm. said that, you know, it's kind of like, that's how I see myself is like, you know, uh, just like, uh, just a little pixie Amy Adams, you know, type, like, you know, writing it. But I think, yeah. So yeah, that is definitely what it feels like. Perfect. Okay. So my second reading resolution is very much tied into my bookshelf work, which is every month we select shelf subscription titles that are the, the criteria is that they're my favorite book of the month and behind the scenes, that means they have to be published like within a certain range of dates in order to be able to be released into the public and sent out in the mail the date we need them to be. So there's some (laughs) behind the scenes, heavy lifting that goes into like picking these books. And I love doing this, but it can be a chore because you could read a book that you love and then the dates are wrong, or you can read a book you love, but it's too similar to the book that you selected last month or whatever. So Truly by Serendipity, in November, December 2021, so a couple months ago, I wound up reading my January and February selections. And then just through, again, kind of serendipity, providence, whatever you want to call it, I just kept reading these books that I really liked and their release dates kept lining up with shelf subscriptions. And the diverse nature of the titles also kind of made sense. Like these weren't entirely similar. They weren't all dysfunctional family stories. They weren't all literary fiction. They weren't all short stories. They were kind of different. And so when I sketched them out, I realized I had picked January, February, March, April, May subscriptions. And I Mm -hmm. couldn't believe it. And so then when it got to January, I didn't have to put pressure on myself to read a subscription (laughs) book. I could just read some new release titles that I was interested in. I could read some backlist books. I listened to a book about the Beatles because that's my current obsession. So my intention for the rest of the year is to really try to pick shelf subscription titles in advance. Like I've already picked August. I think my only, I just need maybe a June and July. So I'm already like picking because I really would love to be done to free myself up for the serendipity of spontaneous reading, which is not something that I've really had a ton of time for. And when I look back to my 2021 intentions, one of them not only was to read Jane Austen, but was to read some more heavy nonfiction. And I did a couple of those, but I didn't get to do it to the extent I really would have wanted to because I'm constantly reading on a deadline or I'm constantly reading as a task for work. And as much as I love that reading is part of my literal job, that is a privilege that I will never be over. I also am really excited that by being really ahead of the game in, in selecting shelf subscriptions and really, I'm really proud and excited of the books I've selected. Like by choosing them well enough in advance, I'm freeing up it's like past Annie is doing the work to free present Annie to read what she wants, which is, I don't know, which is just a real gift. So that's my intention is to kind of keep it going and to maybe by mid-year have already picked all my selections. I love that. What was your, I cannot remember, what was your January pick? It was No Land to Light On by Yara Zagib. Oh, I haven't read that one. Oh, it's, that's out of the blue for me. Yeah, it is lovely. Well, even when it came in, I, oh, it filled me with so much joy because... <laughs> Because Olivia opened the box and she was like, I haven't heard anybody talk about this one. And I was like, I know. 
<laughs> because I feel like that is when you pick so far in advance, there is a risk that it will be Jenna Bush Hager's book or mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon's pick or something like that, which I don't always love when those overlap, but sometimes it's inevitable or a book of the month pick or something like that. And many of our subscribers do both. And so I'm always trying to like keep them in mind. And finally I was like, but I just want it to be the book that I like the most. And so no land to light on is really lovely because I think it's literary, but also commercial. Like it would be a Mm -hmm. really great book club selection. And so anyway, it thrilled me to no end that we, we got it in stock and Olivia was like, I've never heard of this. Tell me all about it. And I said, Oh, I will. Like it was so, it was so fun. So yeah. So that's my January pick. Which I will just like, just very, also, did, I, I feel like I might've, I, I feel like I might have read your February pick, but I don't know yet, but. Mm, I, I think you have. Okay. Oh, but it's so funny though, cause we were talking about, I just want to say it's so funny because last year, I think we were both kind of like, we liked the books we read, but like nothing was truly exciting. Yeah. It felt then, a little, uh, Yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, we're going to have like a May year of books. Okay. Got yeah. it. And then all of a sudden, it's like every like 2022 book I've read, it's been like a five star for me. Yeah, four or five stars. I looked back, we're going to talk, I think, maybe a little bit about tracking reading and things like that. A listener who I will name later was kind enough to generate some statistics for me about what I read in 2021. And... I had a really good reading year in terms of quantity, but a lot of what I read I thought was good. Like I'd like to be clear. It was like three and a half stars or whatever. Like if I had to rank my reading year, I feel like 2021 was three and a half stars. And then I read some books, maybe probably 12, like probably a book a month that I just loved, which is pretty good. But I looked back and I thought, oh, you know what? I didn't like rom-coms as much as I thought I did. Mm -hmm. I didn't like, like some things I just looked back on and I was like, oh, I didn't, I liked them, but I didn't love them. And wouldn't it be fun to have a year in which I only read things I loved? Wouldn't that Mm -hmm. be, I don't know. That could be fun. So anyway. Okay. Let's see. What, which, what, what are we like? Let's see. We've done, I talked about national, oh, essays in general nonfiction is another one of my. Okay. Which I like because you wanted to read you. Does that is that an intention of yours? Did you say that was an intention of yours for? I I think it was one of mine for last year last was year. to try to read more right. nonfiction. Interestingly, it's no longer my intention, and I've already read two nonfiction books this year. <laughs> That's how it always goes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. You know what? I think that uh, for me, uh, part of it was like with the loss of Joan Didion. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I was like, I really want to dedicate more time to and. Also, because I've something that I've and I, and maybe I don't know if people would agree with me on this, but I also just feel like people just don't really have an opinion anymore. So mm-hmm. I'm I just feel like people are like I feel like people are just kind of afraid to have like and I don't want to say I, I, I don't want to say like a it's on a spectrum. I feel like people either are scared to have an opinion or too tim- maybe timid or intimidated yeah. to have an opinion, maybe because mm-hmm. they feel like they aren't educated enough or maybe it will be unpopular on the internet or something like yeah. that. And then we also have a group of people who are so opinionated and we really wish they wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. Like it's one or the other. Like, honestly, you know, it's, I think it's, but I I've learned, you know, I think about like Joan Didion. I think Zadie Smith is a great essayist. I think Alexander Chi is a really great one. Uh, like Patrick Nathan, who wrote that book image control, which I did really enjoy last year. These mm-hmm. were all people who they were, they had very smart, well-considered strong opinions in their 
work. And that's something I'm looking, trying to find more of this year is mm-hmm. because I think that when you, I think when you begin to consume, and I think Brandon Taylor is a, uh, his subsect, I think is great because he really has a clear understanding of what he wants to say and how he, and, and how he approaches it. But I'm, I want to find people who have like really smart, thoughtful, strong opinions, because I think it'll help me as a person have developed stronger opinions and ideas about things. And as a writer, right? Because you're writing these essays now every week, you've been writing for a long time, some personal essays. And I think you hit, I love the word you use, the phrase you used, well-considered, because I do feel Mm -hmm. like we live in a pretty opinionated society, whether or not those opinions are wise and well-considered. I think we could argue. And so yeah. the it's not surprising to me that what you're naming is a little bit long form and mm-hmm. it's it's in book format even though I think great writing can occur on the internet I really do. I am I subscribe to R. Eric Thomas's Substack. Like I think there mm-hmm. are some great essayists on the internet, but I think there is something worth considering about the fact that some of these works have been edited and gone through an entire writing process. They're not just like what I thought of today and put on the internet today, which, which I am want to do. Like I, I am inclined to do that. And so I love this idea of reading well-considered essays and nonfiction. Well, yeah, because I will, it's when you mentioned that it's so funny because I, I paid for a subscription to somebody who I, they, they kind of pitched it as like they wrote, wrote weekly essays about uh, where they kind of like broke things down. And it c- kind of, to me, sounded something like the podcast almost, where it's like, mm-hmm. um, it had some fun kind of um, the refer- pop culture references, but like with critiquing things that are going on. But yeah. I read it and I was like, oh, I was like, you didn't, you didn't do enough. You didn't do enough of your homework before you wrote this. So I'm just going to like, and so I like, I just unsubscribed because I was like, if you're not going to do the work, then I don't want to, I don't want a part of it. Because there's a difference between a hot take and an opinion. And I yes. am interested in your opinion. I am not interested in your hot take. Yeah. Like, and it's so funny. Cause like, I feel like sometimes like, I, I think that like, sometimes people will, will misconstrue the two and, and sometimes yes. people have a really strong opinion and they'll think it's a hot take. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like I can tell that you've like done a lot of like <laughs> a lot of effort into considering this, like have, you know, yeah. like, like put some, put some respect on your opinion and cl- call it, call it an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> call it what it is. Yeah. Okay. One of my reading resolutions, intentions, I didn't even mean to do this, but you and I are doing an event as of this recording, we're doing it tomorrow. If you're listening to this, the day it releases, we've already done the event Though you can still, you can still view Hunter and I talking about tracking our reading. You can buy a ticket through the bookshelf at bookshelfthomaswell.com. And you can watch our recording of our zoom conversation about tracking your reading. So we're going to be discussing tracking our reading at length, but you and I both track our reads on Instagram. One of my intentions this year is just to see if I can keep up with doing some tracking on StoryGraph. So a kind, oh my gosh, so kind podcast listener, Donna, she is a Patreon supporter. And she was like, Hey, would you ever want some statistics about what your reading year looked like? And I thought, well, yeah, that'd be really interesting. Like I've as an Enneagram five, I love a lot of info, but I hadn't had time to 
I don't know, to get those statistics myself. So I typed up the list of books that I read last year and Donna plugged them into Storygraph and created these beautiful, man, Olivia would love the data, the spreadsheets, like all of this great information about my reading life, which was fascinating. It showed me like the months I read the most books, the months I read the fewest books. I'm very pleased to say that the statistics matched a lot of what I already thought. Um, which makes me feel like, okay, I have a pretty good handle on what I'm reading and how often and when. But I am going to try to keep up with that throughout the year. Please do not follow me on Storygraph. I don't, is that a place where you can follow people? Like, I, don't, like I can't I guarantee can set, that. I, I think you can uh, set it. Okay. So yeah. I have just created an account. I, I truly, I created an account. So Donna could plug in my info. I have decided I'm going to try to stay on top of it. Of course, today I was like, Oh no, I hadn't put four books on here that I've read. Um, but I thought, what if even just once a month I did like an info dump of like, this is what I read this mm-hmm. month. So I think I'm going to try that so that by the end of the year, I've got these interesting statistics or whatever, and perhaps they'll help me with my reading life throughout the year, but I'm going to try story graph. I've never done Goodreads. I'm going to continue to track my reading on Instagram because partly a lot of our podcast listeners and bookshelf friends like follow me there for book reviews, but also I hate keeping up with multiple things. Like I've never done Goodreads for that very reason. Like it's not just the Amazon of it all. It's just Annie B. Jones likes one platform. I quit Twitter Mm -hmm. a while ago. Like I just like the one place where all my stuff is. Is it great that it's owned by Facebook? It's not. It's not great. Uh, but but that is where I will continue to track my reading, though I've changed my format a little bit. So I'm curious. You track your reading on Instagram. And then unbeknownst to me, also story graph, question mark? Yeah. So, okay. Actually, it's really funny because... So Nadia, who is, I believe, the creator of Storygraph, founder and CEO of Storygraph, oh. she asked me if I'd be willing to do like a quick little uh, meet the bookstagrammer with her a couple months back. And Mm -hmm. I was like, uh, and I, and it's so funny because like I'd followed the story graph, but I did, I don't, and I'd seen people posting about it, but Mm -hmm. then we did our little talk and she is, I mean, an absolute joy. She just like radiates like positivity and is so sweet. That's lovely. Yeah. And she's, and she's a very, she's a very thoughtful reader too, which I really like. And so anyway, so I, after that, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to support her like in every way now. And so I think, <laughs> and, and that was the whole thing, right? Is that she, you know, with Storygraph, she wanted to create something that was not, mm-hmm. you know, owned and supported, supporting Amazon. And so that, that was a big part of that for her. And, um, and she's very, she's very passionate about supporting like, indie bookstores. Really. I love that. And, um, and so, yeah, so I, I do, I started using it towards the end of last year, but I'm hoping to kind of like keep up more with it this year. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of, it'll be interesting. We'll see where we are at the end of the year, but I'm going to give it a, give it a go. <laughs> it always sounds great. you right. It always sounds like, a, it's like, you know, it's like, sounds great in theory. And then like the execution where we all falter. I yeah. know. We'll find out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then my last reading intention is also, I believe your last reading intention, which is this year I'm planning to read and recap The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas. Yeah, I like honestly, because we're like I, we're recording the 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 first episode after this. Yes, and I would just say that after reading the first the first section, I'm like, okay, I think yeah. I I think this is going to be a good year. I do too. I'm really yeah. excited. I want to s- save content, but yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about it. So this is again, if you're a newer listener, this is a project that we started in 20. 
20, mm-hmm. reading Anna Karenina. And then we chose, we called it Conquer a Classic, and we recorded monthly recap episodes, and we put them on Patreon. So we did Anna Karenina in 2020, and then Middlemarch in 2021. And then in 2022, we are reading Count of Monte Cristo. The last Friday of every month, we will drop an episode into the Patreon feed. We have a reading guide that you can kind of follow along, whether you've got you know a copy of the book from the bookshelf or you borrowed it from the library or you're listening it on, on audio or whatever. We have a tracker so you can kind of keep track of the reading. We're reading about 114 or so pages each month. And I really like it. I do too. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm very excited. Also, side note, you know, we made plans for this, I feel like at the end of 2019 for Anna Karenina because you had never read it and I had like... It was a bucket list book for me. Which, and it's, and and side note for anyone who like just hasn't listened to the, and me just talk about this before, but I, my first interaction with Anna Karenina was years ago when I was like 13 and I, 12, 13, and I found a copy of Anna Karenina. This is back when the bookshelf, it was at the bookshelf and it was back whenever it was on... East Jackson. On Jackson Street, yeah. Yeah. And I and I just remember th- I like first of all, I loved the cover then. Do not love that cover now. Is it the um, cover with the fl- flower in between? Yes, the knees? it is. It's the cover that looks like it's fitting for Lolita, but not at all yes. for Anna Karenina. Yeah. So weird. We talked about that at length. Yeah. It's so bizarre. <laughs> it is. But so, but the thing it's so funny because you know, it's this, it's this, I think that we entered into 2020, not obviously not at all aware of what was gonna happen, but I think that it was such a special thing. And so, yeah, I, I think that um, I could literally do this for the rest of my life because I, I, I think this is the one, this is the one thing that I've been able to commit to and just really feel like successful in the end. Yes. It, it has felt worth it. Like Anna Karenina was a huge bucket list book for me, but I did not think about Conquer a Classic beyond that. Like yeah. I just thought this is, I've heard you talk about it. I had never read it. I'd, I'd had my copy since I was 15 and never finished it. <laughs> and then the pandemic hit and it was again, like this grounding exercise. It was something that you and I could still keep doing, even though we weren't doing it in person or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we chose Middlemarch. I don't even remember quite why. Lucy, one of our bookshelf staffers, it's her favorite book, but I don't really even remember why you and I picked it. We just kind of, we looked at some options and that's the one we chose. And it is so lovely. I'm in a book club. I love reading in book clubs. I also really love teeny tiny book clubs. I love when one customer and I have read the same book and we talk about it at the register or one of my friends reads something I read and we get to talk about it. And so much like discussing Toni Morrison is, is I hope going to be really life giving and interesting. I think just talking about books with you is so fun. And I love that because it's on Patreon, it feels like a little less pressure and we kind of get to have fun with it and we get to cast it. And we talk about movie stars and pop culture references, but also historical references. Like, I don't know. It's fun. Do do you know, do you know what I think? Honestly, I think that to, to give people like a, a, an, like a, an example of the experience that it feels like to me is that when we do these, like when we do like a backlist book club episode or back when we did love it or loathe it, it's like one episode talking about a book, which kind of feels like when you go and you watch a, like a film adaptation of a book, whereas like, so it's like, you know, that's like the gone girl. Whereas like when we do these like conquer a classic, it feels like sharp objects. It's a, it's a limited series. Yes. And so we have more time to explore. 
Yes, that's exactly right. Because I, I like I started to type, I don't know if you've seen my notes for today's uh, podcast episode, but I started to type up notes and I was like, ooh, this is a lot. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, we have all year to talk about Count of Monte Cristo. I don't have to like put it all. I basically did a thesis today. <laughs> like yeah. I, wrote, I wrote a grad school level thesis, only I referenced Wishbone. Like, <laughs> like it's so funny. Yeah, I like read your notes and I was like, I was like, girl, like, how are you going to cover all this in one? This is a lot. I did think to myself, oh, Hunter has only seen like fun Annie and sometimes serious business owner Annie. I don't know how often he's seen overachieving high school valedictorian Annie. Like, (laughs) she came out to play today. But to be fair, a lot happened. Like, I need people to, like, if you have, if you're not following yet, like, please jump on this bandwagon because a lot happens in the first section alone. You're going to want to be a part of it. Like it's a lot. It's good. The Count of Monte Cristo is very plot driven. And so a lot happens and it's fast paced. And so if you have felt intimidated by this book in any way, we would love for you to join us. You can support the bookshelf on Patreon from the front porch, patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. It's $5 a month. You get a bonus episode plus some other bonus content, but you get the Count of Monte Cristo episodes dropped every month the last friday of every month so okay should we check back in same time 2023 yeah all right that's perfect i feel good i feel good about this year i mean tentatively hopeful is the name of the game that's a good way to put it yeah (laughs) okay this week i'm reading the maid by nita prose hunter what are you reading i'm reading invisible man by ralph ellison yes that's right (laughs) From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look up from the front porch, scroll until you see write a review and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, support us for $5 a month on Patreon, where you can follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic and as I participate in live video Q&As in our monthly lunch break sessions. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you and we look forward to meeting back here next week.